When it comes to television game shows, there are just a few that have been around for a very long time. A couple of those are Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. These shows have really become a part of American culture, but there's another one that's been on the air even longer than those two because it's currently the longest-running game show in American TV history. That show is The Price is Right. Chances are you've probably watched it at some point. Just about everyone has. But there are a few things you may not know about this show. The Price is Right has been seen on all three major networks, NBC, ABC, and CBS. Yeah, that's a bit of trivia from back when there were pretty much three channels on television to choose from. One of the hosts for many years was Bob Barker. And for a long time, his hair was dyed black. But he didn't like the way it looked. At one point, when he was on vacation, he stopped dyeing his hair and let it go full gray. The producers of the show were worried about how viewers would respond. But it turns out, people loved Bob's new look. And ratings went through the roof. A couple of well-known celebrities were contestants on The Price is Right before they became famous. Aaron Paul was once a contestant. He played Jesse Pinkman on the really popular series Breaking Bad. He got all the way to the showcase, but ended up overbidding, so he didn't win. The other one was Vanna White. Long before she became the famous and highly paid letter-turner on Wheel of Fortune, she was just another person on Contestant Row trying to win something. But she actually never even made it up on stage. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know that a lot of the stories we talk about are really intense, and the guest may have gone through a huge tragedy. So sometimes I like to talk to someone who's been through something that's still really unusual, but happy. So my guest today is Fabiana, and she was in the studio audience for The Price is Right. And her name was called to come on down. And she actually did make it on stage. But there's more to her story. Real people in unreal situations. There is a man standing in front of me in my bedroom. My friend has been shot. I'm in the literally inside the river and I'm inside my car. He had told me multiple times that he was going to set himself on fire. If you say my name or try to look at me, I'm going to kill you. And he was just sobbing. He said, Mom, Mom, tell me you're going to be okay. And I jumped on the hood of the car and I held on. And I looked into the garage and he was hanging from the rafters. I had somebody standing on my neck. He's better to me dead. I want him dead. I'm Scott Johnson, and this is What Was That Like? Hey, it's Scott, and guess what? You're about to hear an ad, and that's both good and bad. It's good because ads are what make it possible for me to keep bringing you these episodes, and it's bad because, well, maybe you don't like listening to ads, and I get that. And the good news is, you don't have to. When you sign up to support the show, you get every single episode without any ads. Plus, you get all the bonus episodes. Yeah, did you know there are actually bonus episodes? And you can try it all for free just to see what it's like. If you're on an iPhone, just go to the What Was That Like podcast and at the top, click on Try Free and you're in. On Android, just go to whatwasthatlike.com plus and try it out completely free. Once you've had the ad-free experience, you'll see why hundreds of other listeners are already doing it. But for now, here's another ad, and then on with today's episode. Have you ever wondered why we call French fries French fries, or why something is the greatest thing since sliced bread? There are answers to those questions. Everything Everywhere Daily is a podcast for curious people who want to learn more about the world around them. Every day, you'll learn something new about things you never knew you didn't know. Subjects include history, science, geography, mathematics, and culture. If you're a curious person and want to learn more about the world you live in, just subscribe to Everything Everywhere Daily wherever you cast your pod. Every town has a dark side. This is Andrew Fitzgerald from the Every Town Podcast, where every single week we dive into insane and mysterious true crime stories, most of which you've never heard of. 
Stories like the bizarre disappearance of Tyler Davis in Columbus, Ohio. A 29-year-old father trying to find his way back to his hotel when he disappeared and was never heard from again. And Elizabeth Shove from Lugoff, South Carolina, who was abducted from her driveway by a madman and taken to his underground bunker in the woods. And we give you all the details you're interested in hearing about without any fluff or fillers, because ain't nobody got time for that. We cover everything from psychopaths to poltergeists, so go check out the Everytown podcast, because every town, no matter how nice it may seem, has a dark side. What's your second favorite game show? Oh, goodness. I'm going to cheat a little bit because technically it's not a game show. It's, I think, a reality show. Um, but The Amazing Race, I watched every episode during COVID. I believe there's 33 seasons now. Um, and I would have really loved to be on that show. That's a really popular show. I had no idea there were 33 seasons, though. Yes, it goes way back, and it's so exciting. It probably goes against everything that I am, traveling all over the place without planning, leaving my kids, but I love the idea of the obstacles and competition and, of course, winning the million dollars at the end. Well, I asked what's your second favorite, because I assume your first favorite game show is The Price is Right. Is that right? It has to be. It just has to be. How long have you been watching that show? Well, I don't get much of a chance to watch it anymore. I am subscribed to it on Facebook, so I'll watch little clips here and there. But when I was younger, let's say 9, 10, and I was home alone with my siblings in the summer, we would watch it because there wasn't much else to do. And we knew that it would start exactly at 10 in the morning, and we would turn up the volume, we'd go upstairs, and as soon as the theme song would come on, we would start running down the stairs. I would trip on the stairs purposely. We would do all sorts of shenanigans, jump up and down and pretend we were contestants on the show. So that was my, my stepsister, Kathy and I, we just, that was kind of a routine of ours. And I just would love to make her laugh. So I would be the goofiest contestant of them all. It seems like that's their goal on the show is to get people to be as goofy as possible anyway, you know? People just go crazy. I think so. And I have a theory for that, why we go crazy. We're standing in line for a really long time. So it's a, it's a full day event. So you're standing in line for hours. You've probably gotten very little sleep because you have to be there really early in the morning. You've bonded with all these people, over 300 people that are in the auditorium with you. Um, so finally, when you get picked, it's it's a big deal. So you're in Southern California. How far do you live from where the show is actually filmed? I'm about two and a half hours. And you're expected to be there at about five, around 530 in the morning. The earlier, the better. So that you can get a, a number. So you get a ticket beforehand. But that ticket doesn't really mean much. Once you show up, you get another number, and that will tell you whether you are in the first taping or the second taping. So you want to get there as early as possible. And what was your job at the time? Did you have to plan for time off to do this? I didn't. I was actually on summer vacation from Chico State. I was home visiting my family. And I had gone up to L.A. the day before to run some errands with my cousin, John. We drove by the CVS studios and just thought, oh, goodness, let's stop by and get some tickets to The Price is Right. And we got tickets for the very next day. Wow. Okay. So I thought you had planned this so far in advance. This was kind of an impulse thing. This was a very last minute thing. We got home quite late that night. I want to say we got home at about 11 and then we had to take off at maybe three in the morning. What instructions do they give you or how do they determine who gets chosen to come down? Do you know? Is it just random? It's not completely random. No. So you're going through a line once you get there, you're filling out paperwork, there's a whole lot of waiting going on. Uh, finally, after hours, 
you come across the producer, usually he's, sta- he's standing on a podium and he, they've kind of chunked the audience members, the 300 plus audience members into groups. So you are in a group of at least 50 people, 100 people deep. Everyone is silent and the producer will read your name tag and he'll say, Fabiana, tell me about yourself. And you have about 10 seconds to really make an impression on this person. And that's when he decides. Now, I'm sure there are people that just have a beautiful personality that just get right on. But for me, I figured I really spent all day here. I had gotten in a fight with my cousin in line. um, And I thought, I'm not going to waste all this time that we've spent. I'm really going to make sure that I get on. So once he asked me, I started jumping up and down. I told him I love to dance and gave him a little sample of my dance moves. So as soon as I was done talking, you could hear everyone in line say, oh, she's going to get picked. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good sign, I guess, right? Did, right. you, were, you said you were with your cousin, John. Did he yes. also want to get picked or was he just there he to watch? He did. Okay. No, he also did want to get picked, but he didn't. And he is even more animated than I am. So, um, Just got lucky. I did get lucky. I think it also helped that I was wearing my Chico State sweatshirt because I think they often go for college students. Was that planned on your part? Probably, yes. This was back in mid-90s. And of course, back then, Bob Barker was the host. He was the host for a long time. Did you get to meet him ahead of time? I didn't meet him ahead of time, no. So this was 1996, and I did get to meet him, but not before the show started. All right. So just take us through. You're sitting in the audience, and what happens? So I'm sitting in the audience and a person is called, they're excited, they run up and there's a podium and there's room for, I believe, four people, five people to be called. It's four. It's four, sorry. It's it's always Uh, four, I think. I've never seen more than that. Yes, it is four. No, it's four. Okay. Um, The first person is called and you're already losing fate. Like if it's not your name, you're having the second person's called and I'm like, oh my goodness. And all of a sudden, third person, they hold up a huge sign and it has your name on it. And I think they completely slaughtered my name, but luckily they had it written down. So Fabiana, come on down. I lost it. I was on, I had to drink lots of coffee, lots of soda, little sleep. Also, I think I felt a little bit of pressure to have, you know, to really be excited. So I jumped up and down, coming down. I never stopped jumping. I almost tripped coming down. I high-fived everyone. I was just elated, so relieved that they had called my name. Wouldn't it have been amazing if you actually had tripped coming down the stairs, just like you played when you were a kid? Oh, yeah, that would have been really embarrassing. I mean, it's already embarrassing enough. It took me a while to be able to watch this video and not cry of laughter because I don't stop jumping the entire show. Obviously, I would say almost everybody has seen The Price is Right. Can you just explain what's the game for getting up on stage? So what they do is they bring out an item. It could be anything, right? It could be a bicycle, suitcase, whatever it might be. And the four contestants have to bid on a a price. And the one that's closest without going over gets to go up on stage. So in this case, they bring out an exercise bicycle. And I have to bid on it. I'm a college student. I have no clue of what uh, exercise bicycle might cause. So I'm numbers are just coming to my head. No big deal. I'm not really thinking it through because there's nothing really for me to think through. I have never bought this before. So I just. Yeah. And plus you, this was such an impulse thing. You, it's not like you had time to study past <laughs> episodes and learn prices and all no, that. There's, right? there's none of that. And I've got to tell you that there are some serious price is right fans and they know every detail about everything. So my apologies to them if I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm just a fan. I, uh, for me, I'm I'm a fan, but a fan 
uh, with heart, right? I'm not memorizing all, everything else that goes along with it. You're not the, the data nerd, right? No, absolutely <laughs> not. I'm okay. just enjoying it. They bring out this exercise bike and I get to bid and um, I bid 1150 And so once everyone is done bidding, Bob Barker uh, starts saying, you know, there's a bell that goes ding, 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 ding. You know what this beautiful sound means. This sounds that someone has bid the exact price. I knew it was me. I already knew it was me. You could see my face. I knew. So I was just waiting for him to say, I don't know, just... It just was meant to be. <laughs> so then he said, Fabiana, and back then you would win $100. Um, so he gave me the $100 once I got up on stage, but then took it back because <laughs> they, they, they write you out a check oh, later. They, oh, okay. Yeah. So you don't get to keep the $100 bill. No. That's all just for show. Okay. <laughs> That's right. You know what was interesting about your initial bid, though? There's some strategy in this. And... I saw that you bid eleven fifty, but someone else had bid a thousand, and then someone after you bid eleven fifty one. And of course, you can only get it if you don't go over. So the only way you could have won is to be the exact price. That's right. And you pulled it off. I'm not a big fan of the dollar over, to be honest. It's part of the game, but I don't love it. Yeah, it's kind of, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, it's strategy. Everybody wants to win. But yeah, it kind of knocks somebody else immediately out of the running unless they get the exact right price <laughs> That's like right. you did. Right. <laughs> Super lucky. So you were exactly right. You, um, So you got up on stage. And mm -hmm. what were you playing to win in the in that game? I was playing a game called Cover Up, and I was going to be winning a minivan Dodge Caravan. So it was there was a, already a price set, and you had to cover up that price because they were the wrong numbers. So under, for example, the ten thousands place. There were three options, and as you got to the last number, you had a lot more options of what digits you could pick, right? So I just, he's, he asked me, do you know how to play this? I didn't, but I was, you know, whatever, I could figure it out. So I started hopping along and grabbing my numbers and just putting them in. And when he asked, you know, did Fabiana get any numbers right? I had them all correct at except for the second to last number, which was actually a bad thing because that meant I only had one chance to fix that price. I had put an eight and I ended up uh, switching it to a seven, but really it was a one. So I lost the car. So you didn't, didn't win, win the it. minivan. <laughs> so the thing about the, whether you win or lose, I mean, they have three games and then those three contestants halfway through the show spin the big wheel. And the idea with the wheel is you have to get as close to a dollar without going That's over right. a dollar. So what was, how did your spin go? I spun the wheel and I believe I spun 15 cents. I already knew I was not going to win with 15 cents. So I had to spin it again because you're able to spin it twice. The second spin was much better and it was 70. So I had a great total of 85 cents. So no one was able to beat me without going over. So that ensured me going to the showcase. So you were sure at that point that you were going to be one of the two people playing for the showcase prize. And that's really, I think, the luckiest part of the show because there's really no control right. of the wheel. It's so big. Was it hard to spin? It's, it is a little bit bulky to spin, but not super hard. I wonder if anybody has any strategy about spinning that thing. Of course, without being able to practice ahead of time, there, you really would have no idea you would really need to be able to practice with the exact same weight, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell us about the showcase. You were up against a woman named Dorothy. Oh, I was up against the sweetest, and I mean this in a very endearing way, sweetest old lady. She was just petite, white hair. I mean, she was the audience favorite. Um, she had lost her game, but actually on the wheel, I think she had won up to $15,000 because she spun a 
perfect dollar, then it spun again. So she was, um, when you're in the showcase, you have the big winner and then, or whoever won most and whoever won least. Obviously, I had won the least and she won the most. So they showed us the first showcase and it was like parkas, a car, a trip. And she decided to bid on that. And then for for mine, it was a washer and dryer, a barbecue, and a sailboat. So I had to bid on that. Again, no clue. I was going to ask you, you you live on the California coast, but did you have any idea Mm -hmm. of the sailboat price? No, absolutely not. No clue. Again, numbers were coming to me. I bid $14,016 because 16 is my favorite number. Um, (laughs) But I really, to be honest, I was just so happy. And you really can't hear the audience. Everyone's yelling and you really can't hear what they're saying. And I'm sure people talk about that guy that sat in the front that knew all the prices for everything. I wish I knew who he was then, but (laughs) I didn't know. So this number just came to me and I just said it. And I think I just got, you know, I got very lucky. Uh, Dorothy was off by about $4,000 and I was extremely close. I was off by $833. So the actual price was $14,849. Had I been within $200, I would have won both showcases. So that was actually a really great bid. For somebody that had no idea how to price a boat, John, was your cousin was in the audience. Was he? Does he know anything about boats? Was he trying to give you some numbers? No, no, no idea. No idea. And then a, a regret I have, I was so just in amazement that I had won. I ran off without giving Dorothy a hug, you know, or being appropriate and saying congratulations. But later on, she on stage, she came up and gave me a hug. So I was happy about that. That would have been a long time (laughs) regret, right? Yes, yes. She was the sweetest. She really was. She was very feisty and sweet. As the show is ending, you're all on the stage. And I I should say, I know this because I've seen this video. We'll, We'll probably have a video of this on the website so people can watch this uh, for this episode. But you're all on the stage next to the boat. It's you, your your cousin, Bob Barker, and the girls. And after the music stops and the filming stops, what happens after that? Yeah. And let me tell you, there's a few other people on the stage with me. Um, Remember I told you that we're in line forever? You really become friends with the people in line. And we had said to one another, oh, if one of us wins, you guys can come up. So you'll see a dad and and a daughter that also came up with us. So what they do is they usher everyone that did not win out. Everybody's ushered out to leave. And anyone that has won anything at all or even has been called up to the contestants row. And at that time, it was you get shuttled into a small room. It almost looked like the bottom part of a stairwell. It was dark. There was this guy that was not very patient, I must say. And he, you know, we all had a lot of questions you know, obviously, do we have to keep it? How does everything work? And it was just one guy and he's trying to do all of the paperwork. And of course, he gets those same questions every single filming from the contestants. Exactly. Yeah. So I was a little nervous and I just thought, okay, I'm just going to keep everything because some people were were already saying, okay, well, I don't want this. And I just thought, okay, well, I'm just going to keep everything. I was quite shy at the time also. And you know, he did, he just seemed like he didn't have time for any of it. <laughs> so that was it. We filled out paperwork. It does take a while. You're filling out your tax forms and you usually the biggest winner goes last. So you have to wait for everyone to get their paperwork filled out. So uh, we got out of there quite late. It, my, my cousin, of course, was waiting for me outside. He deserves something for that, I guess, right? He is amazing. So I have to say, it's probably because of him that I got on. Uh, I think there's certain people in life that you feel very comfortable with, that you could be your silliest, and he's my person. I could be so silly and not feel stupid around him at all. So he's a great wingman for the prices, right? (laughs) Obviously, you don't take the boat home with you. 
how what was the arrangement for getting the, the sailboat? You don't get anything at that time. You have just your paperwork and what they tell you is you have three months to hear from all of the vendors. So within three months, they contact you and then they make arrangements. I think by the time the boat came, I was actually back at Chico State and my amazing mom and stepdad put an ad on the paper and they sold the boat to a lovely couple that ended up paying more than probably they needed to because they knew that that would help me pay for college. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah, it was very nice. I don't know how many other people do this, but I like to plan my weekly meals. Maybe I'm just weird, but I like quick and easy. That's just one of the benefits you can get with Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com slash what or enter code what before checkout to get 50% off your first week. One of the dishes I recently had was the Green Goddess Falafel Bowl. Oh, I loved it. The falafel was seasoned perfectly, and I love how crispy it is on the outside, but really moist on the inside. It's a signature dish of Enat Admoni. She's known around the world as a chef. You've probably seen her on TV, and her dishes are made right here in Florida, so I'm supporting local business, and I love that. And the convenience of Cook Unity is crazy. I mean, I've got podcast episodes to produce. I don't have time for cooking. These meals are delivered fully cooked. So when it's time to eat, I pick a meal based on my mood for that day. I heat it for a few minutes and enjoy. The menus are updated every week, so there's always something new to try. You can choose from over 350 meals based on your dietary needs or taste preferences, or go wild and have Cook Unity pick for you, because every meal is just amazing. Make the best meal plan ever with the convenience, chef-level quality, and endless variety of Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com slash what or enter code what before checkout for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using code what or going to cookunity.com slash what. Something I've been recently making a deliberate effort with is to read more. There are lots of books I want to read and I try to read every day, even if it's just a few pages. That little bit each day adds up and it can make a big difference. It's like taking care of your gut. Even though it's not big, it supports the health of your whole body. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits not just your gut and your heart, which aren't outwardly visible, but your skin too, which you can see. Every morning it's the same thing. Two capsules of Seed DSO-1. And sometimes I wonder, is it normal to feel this great? It helps support digestive health with optimal gut bacteria levels. And thankfully that's all backed up by science. And all the supporting data is on their website. If you're trying to avoid sugar, soy, peanuts, or gluten, you're good to go. And I was reading the literature and I thought, you had me at vegan, because it's that too. And if you have kids, DSO-1 is the first multi-strain symbiotic shown to be tolerable and health-promoting in a cohort of children aged 3 to 17. And you can use this promo code to give it a try. Trust your gut. With Seeds DS01 Daily Symbiotic, go to seed.com slash what and use code 25what to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seeds DSO1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash what, code 25what. The total price that I won was worth $16,098. Keep in mind, I was a college student. I was working at the Chico State bookstore. I filled out paperwork. Well, I didn't. The Chico State accounting group did for me. We sent in $500 or so, and then the money was mailed back to me. I didn't owe any money. So that was really lovely. The benefits of being a broke college student in a low tax bracket. Ah, <laughs> oh, <laughs> right? the joys for sure. Yes. You must have been kind of a sort of a celebrity in your family. How much later did people have to wait before they actually saw that episode air? So I went on during the summer. It aired in October. So I want to say a few months before it actually aired, because I believe I went, I definitely went in on the summer, in the summertime. Oh, I went in July 10th and then it aired October 14th. Did you have like a big family gathering where everybody got together to watch that episode with you on it? 
No. And as a matter of, you know, what's funny, you weren't really supposed to tell people, but they gave me postcards with Bob Barker's uh, picture. So I did actually fill out the postcards and tell people. I was in a sorority and some of my sorority sisters were making a huge deal about it. So we did watch it. We taped it on our VHS. My mom and dad taped it on the VHS. So we did get to watch it. Yes. Well, this all happened, as you mentioned, in 1996. And That's right. man, what a great story to tell people. You were on The Price is Right and not only on there, but won the showcase. But that's not the end of the story. No, that's not. In 2011, 15 years later, you decided to try it again. What? Why did you decide to, to go on the show a second time? At this point, I'm married. I have two little ones. I have a four-year-old, a one-year-old. I'm a teacher. And things were just really rough at the time. I had a 3% pay cut at work. My car, I was driving this Toyota Corolla that every time I would drive on this bridge in the turn, it would shake. And this was an amazing car, uh, but I had just put on way too many miles. Um, on top of that, my brother was getting married in Punta Cana. And it just seemed like there was a lot that I needed money for. I wasn't going to get an extra job because I had my babies. And I don't know why it just came to me. One day I just told my husband at the time, I said, I'm going to the Price is Right to go win a car. I repeated the same thing to my brother. I'm going to go to the Price is Right and win a car and maybe a trip to Punta Cana to go to your wedding, right? And they laughed at me, my my husband, he's my ex now. But at the time, he, he was not very happy that I was leaving him for the, the day with the two girls. It was during my spring break time. But that's what I was doing. I said, I'm going to go to the Price is Right. I'm going to go win a car. And I went by myself. When people think of, okay, I need extra money, what can I do? Most people would never think, I'm going to go on a game show because the chances of winning are so low anyway. But it's just, I just think it wouldn't occur to people, but you've already done it once. So why not do it again? Yeah, it kind of makes sense. Right. Now at this time, Bob Barker, no longer the host, it was now Drew Carey. How was this experience different from the first one? This experience was really emotional for me. I had a really tough time being away from my daughter. So it, again, it's a really long day. I mean, I had to park my car in the dark in the street and then run, you know, to get in line. And so I'm alone this whole time. I met, again, another dad and a daughter and we became friends. And I think at some point, even in line, I started to get emotional. Like, I can't believe I left my babies to, you know, stand in line all day. And they said, oh, it's going to be worth it. You're going to get on. And sure enough, you know, when the producer came around, I was sure to be really animated so I could get called up. But this time was actually a lot more difficult to get called up. I was not the first, the second, or third to be called up. I believe I was the fifth one to be called up. And then it took me a while to get on stage because people were bidding a dollar over me. So the first thing I believe was a bicycle. Someone bid a dollar over and they got on stage. The second one was espresso machine. I had no clue. That one I take responsibility. The third one, again, someone bid a dollar over me and they got on stage. And then the fourth thing I got to bid on was some luggage that I had no idea how much it was, but I was $100 off and no one bid a dollar over me and I got on stage for that. So thank goodness. So you must have felt pretty good about that. I mean, some things it's kind of crazy. You have no idea what they would cost, but luggage, you know, what is it? A few hundred dollars, 500, $800. What, do you remember what you bid for that? Yeah, I bid nine twenty, and it was a thousand twenty. I had no idea. I honestly had no idea how much that luggage would be because I I would never spend that much on luggage. But I was really thinking, oh, I'm not going to make it. But in my mind, from the very beginning, I was just thinking, okay, I first I need to get called down to the podium. And once I was in the podium, I thought, okay, now I need to get called on stage. So it was just that day. I just had a mission. <laughs> and so thank, thankfully, I was called on stage. It was not looking good. It's got to be d disappointing for people to, like maybe some of, the, like some of the early ones that were called, and they're down there on contestant row the whole time, and they never get up on stage. You know what's worse about that? 
you can only be on the prices right once every 10 years. Now, when I was on it with Bob Barker, it was once in your lifetime. Once Drew came on, it's once every 10 years. But even if you get called up to the podium, that's considered being on the prices right. Oh, so you've blown it just by getting up there. Yes. Yeah. So that's rough. So you got up on stage and you knew right off the bat, hey, this the first game was for a Chevy Camaro. Yes, it is for it. You, you were thinking, okay, I came here for a car. That's There's right. There's my car. Cherry red Chevy Camaro. Not a super kid-friendly car, but whatever. I'll take it. <laughs> and my game this time was titled High Low. And I had to pick three of the most expensive items. They had, I believe, six items. And I had to pick the three most expensive things. Now, I had just had a conversation with someone talking about how expensive tomato sauce was at my neighborhood store. So immediately, I picked tomato sauce. And that turned Turned out to be my blunder. I picked uh, the gum. I picked, I forget what else it was that I picked, but I picked two of the most expensive items, but the tomato sauce was not one of them. I should have picked the cake decorating letters that I just remember getting as a kid is so cheap. My mom would have never spent that much on cake decorating letters, but. Once again, you lose your main game. Lost a second car. Did you think, okay, well, I came for the car. There goes the car. Mm -hmm. But again, now my mind is I have to win at the wheel. That's And it's great to have that goal. But like you said before, it's just chance. The wheel is entirely chance. There's a little bit of strategy, though, because you know, when you first spin, you can decide whether to spin again or not. I think so. That one is really, I feel, based on luck. So I have to spin first and I spin 70 cents and I decide not to spin again because I could easily go over. But 70 cents is beatable. But luckily, Eli spun, he spun 25 cents and then 5 cents. And then Colvin spins, he spins 55 cents and then 65. So one's not enough, one's too much. I get to go to the showcase again. You're back. Yes. Again as the loser, but I don't care. I am in the showcase. What I didn't mention about this episode, this was a very unique episode. This was a tribute to the Beatles and the band from Vegas called Rain was there. So it was a very long episode because they were playing music. All of the prizes for the showcase were based around the Beatles. So what I was bidding on was a round trip to London, six nights stay at a fancy hotel, a tour around London, a Mini Cooper, and I don't know how the video games connected, but there was a video game as well. <laughs> so there was a car in there. There was a Mini Cooper in there. Mm -hmm. That's a little bit more like a family car, right? It was a two-door Mini Cooper. Oh, so it's not a family <laughs> car. <laughs> that one was not. How did you do in that showcase? Well, I was up against Donald, and Donald had guitars and a Porsche. I Well, the Porsche would have been even less of a family car. Right. Yes. So this time, I was not as close. I bid 24600 My actual price was 31796 So I was off by a little more than $7,000. Now, Donald was off by... A little more than fourteen thousand dollars. So, oh, he was way off. He was way off. Super nice guy. We were both saying, "Oh, we wish we could both win," you know, because we, you get to talk to one another during the commercial breaks, and we were just saying, "Oh my goodness, one of us is going to win a car by the end of this." We were both very emotional. You could actually see me when I get called up on stage, when I win, you could see I'm very emotional the whole time. I wasn't as carefree as I was the first time. This time it was like I was on a, a mission to win a car and I did it. I won the car. Like you said, there's a big difference between being a college student. Yeah, let's just go do it. Have fun. Maybe we'll win something. But now you really needed this. I really needed the car. So the Price is Right came through for me for college. It came through for me with this car. So I didn't realize this, but when it was time for me to go to the dealership to pick up my car, it was the first year the Countryman was coming out. And the Countryman is a four-seater. So I upgraded to that. And that was the car we had for several years. So you had to like you just had to like pay the difference. That's right. 
that was it. And and we took we took the babies to London and it, we stayed in the hotel. It was it was wonderful. I still have the luggage also although it is starting to fall apart a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, this was uh, this was 2011, so it, yeah. yeah, it's been Yeah, 11 years. Yeah. When you went on the trip to London, did they cover all of the expenses or did you have to pay for your meals or or how much did you actually have out of pocket? They'll only pay for what they say they're going to pay. So in this case, they paid for the six-night stay and for the tour, but everything else was out of pocket. And of course, it was for also for the two people round trip. So we had to pay extra for our daughter. So we did end up spending a lot of money. I went to win the car because we, I had no money, but I wasn't going to pass up this trip to London either. Oh, of course. No. Yeah, when it's all covered, or most of it covered, airfare and... They paid for airfare, I assume. They did. They did. Yeah. I mean, my daughter, my old, my daughter turned five during the trip. We celebrated her fifth birthday there. So it's a great memory for her. She still remembers it, loves it. So this is just, it's incredible. You went back and you won a showcase for the second time. Mm -hmm, that's right. But you're on What Was That Like? This is a podcast where we talk about really unusual things. And that's not the end of the story. You were actually on The Price is Right again, a third time this year, 2022. I was, yes. What was your reason for going back a third time? I figured it'd be much easier to get on because the audience is really minimized to, instead of 300 plus people, maybe 30 people, right? Because of COVID precautions, it's not a full... Uh, audience. So they have people sitting in pods now, and it's just maybe two people to your group or maybe more, but you're separated two or three people per pod. I thought maybe it would really be easier to get on instead of standing in line for five plus hours. So I sent in my information because I saw, you know, oh, you know, if you want to be on the prices right, right in here. So I did. And immediately someone called me back. It was like a pre-screening. They said, okay, well, you sound like someone that we might want. So then I had an interview with another person and it was actually a very lengthy interview. I want to say it was maybe 20 minutes long. And he wanted to see me <laughs> as excited as I could be. It was, it was not an easy interview. Um, did you just say, did you tell him, Hey, wait a minute. Don't you know who I am? <laughs> no. I've been on this show twice before. Of course right. I'm a good contestant. They don't have a clue. You never played that card, huh? No, I didn't. And you do have to be upfront with them and you have to tell them that you've been on it before. So he knew, but no, no, nobody remembered me at all. <laughs> but the, I mean, if he knows you've been on before, especially the fact that you got up on stage both times and won, they must have some idea that you're kind of the type of person they're looking for. Right. right? That it's, must have given you some kind of an edge. It's possible. My brother and I spoke about it. And because by this time now, by the third time now, it's a mission with my brothers. My brothers think it's just the coolest thing on earth. Uh, <laughs> so we, we had conversations about it before COVID even hit. And we thought, gosh, do I tell them I've been on it? Or do I just not say anything? Because you do write it down, but at the time of being interviewed, you don't need to say it. So it could be, you know, it, it could go either way, depending on the person. So, yeah, I saw the video of this. And at the beginning, the camera, you know, it kind of pans across the crowd. And it's just like, it's not an empty room, but boy, it sure is a sparse you know, everybody's spread out. There's groups of two and three here and there. Yeah, and I mean, the odds are there for you. you. You know, instead of going up against 300 people, you're maybe maybe going up against 15, really, because only 15, you have to go with somebody else. So again, I took my cousin John, my Price is Right wingman. Who else would I take, right? So really, 15 people have been interviewed to go. Now, those 15 people that have been interviewed, they, we weren't, they said, this doesn't mean that you're going to get up on stage. Once I got to the prices, right, again, you're interviewed again. So the interview process was a lot more rigorous this third time. Yeah, I would imagine because they have a smaller group to choose from. They want to make sure they get the right people, the ones that are going to 
act like they're nuts when that's, they get up on stage. That's right. And you, you did, right? That, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just feel if I'm going to drive, I'm going to wake up that early. I'm going to drive. I'm going to be waiting. You know, I need to bring it. So I, again, when we're sat in a group and everyone's quiet and they, they talk to me, I just made sure to really bring out my dorkiest personality. You have to, you know, channel that nine-year-old that would roll down the stairs kind of thing. And are you, you still a teacher? I am. Mm -hmm. Okay. This show actually aired in February of 2022, and you had just taped that show in January. So you're still a teacher. Did you have to take time off work this time, or were you still on winter break? I was on winter break. And because of everything that had gone on during COVID, that was another reason why I wanted to go on The Price is Right. At our school, we had lost an amazing teacher, and also one of my favorite students uh, during the summer. Uh, my mom had lost her best friend. And I just thought, gosh, I just want to go and bring something positive to our school, something we could laugh at, something refreshing. I think that also was what motivated me to go this time. And what grade do you teach? How old are the kids? At the time, I was teaching fourth grade and a very special group because I had already taught them in second grade. So they knew me very well. Oh, yeah. Now... When they saw you, eventually when it aired, mm -hmm. were they surprised at how outgoing you were being, just jumping around and everything? Or had they ever seen you do that before for some other event at school? They know I'm fairly silly, but I did give them a heads up. Although this third time, I knew that parents were going to be watching me, so I was very calm. But with my students and my principal, we actually watched, I think, my second appearance together. And I made flyers so that they could all watch me. And I made sure to give them a shout out at the wheel. I didn't even give my daughters a shout out. <laughs> and this time was very different, actually, because you get to do a shout out when you're spinning the wheel. This time was very different because of COVID. They were playing music. It was loud. I there was just a lot more going on. Yeah, I saw the video of that and I think Drew said, "Do you want to, you know, do you want to shout out anybody?" and I I it seems like you mentioned your students, is that who it was? Yes, I wanted to say how kind they were because honestly, coming back to the classroom after COVID, a lot of the teachers had a really tough time with their classes and my group was just such an amazing kind cool group. So it, it just was a great year. So I wanted to give them a shout out. And we have a way that we could message one another. And so a couple of them mentioned, thanks so much for giving us a shout out, or I watched you. It was so fun to see you. Um, I still hear from parents, oh my goodness, we watched you on The Price is Right. So I'm really glad that it was a positive for us because we really needed something uplifting. Yeah, definitely. That was a long two years and Everybody needs something to smile about, for sure. Yeah. This time again, I made it look so easy. <laughs> I was the fourth one called down to the podium. Oh, so you were right at the beginning of the, of the show, then. Right at the beginning. And my cousin was sure that I was going to get called up. I, I wasn't. I had actually made a shirt this time that said something about, Dear Drew, I'd like something new for 2022. I had never made a shirt before. So I was hoping that would help. Some Prada sunglasses came out for us to bid on. I had owned some Gucci sunglasses 10 years prior before kids, and I had paid $350 for them. So I knew the Prada glasses were going to be at least $400 each. It didn't seem like anybody else realized how expensive they were. And there were four of them, right? There were four of them. Yeah. So uh, I believe the gentleman that bid last bid something like 800 800 or so. I don't like to do the 801, but I was certain that it was over $1,000. I didn't want to get cocky, so I just said 850 And I knew that that would probably get me on stage. So I was the first one on stage again. That had to be encouraging. Yes, it was really great. And again, this time, I'm having fun. You're not desperate for a car this time. <laughs> I'd love it. At this point, I'm a single mom with two kids. So yeah, still, the money is always welcome with me. 
But your first game, I mean, you were playing for another car. I'm playing for another car, a Nissan Sentra. And I get to roll the dice. And let's say I roll a five. I have to decide if the number is higher or lower. All the digits in the car price. Yeah. All the digits. They give you the first one, which is a two. But I rolled pretty terrible numbers. A five, a four, a five, a two. I don't know. Maybe that four and the two were the worst. Again, I got all of the numbers right except for one. And as soon as my brother saw it, he said, why would you bid, you know, why would you bid higher and go against the odds? But my brain just doesn't work that way. The numbers just kind of come to me. So on that four, I said higher, but it was a two. So I lost another game, lost another car. So this is like the, this is the third car that you've played for and didn't win. They're trying so hard to give me a car, and I just can't do it. And it's always by one number or one thing. So you went to the, to the spinning wheel and said hi to your students, and, <laughs> uh, and you won the spin again. I won the spin. The two gentlemen that went before me, they had a tie. And again, it was super loud. I spun. It took me a minute to realize that I had won when I actually... One. So they were tied and your spin was higher than theirs without going over a dollar. That's right. Man, you are a lucky spinner. Yes, I am a lucky spinner. And that's when I thought, oh my goodness, I just did this a third time. I could not believe it. Getting to the showcase. And of course, the first two, you won the showcase. So what was your showcase? What were you bidding on? This time, it wasn't as exciting. I got to tell you, the young lady that was the bigger winner, uh, she and I had been chatting and she says, Fabiana, if a boat comes up, I am not bidding on a boat because I have no clue of how much a boat is. But it's a trip to Santa Barbara, three night stay with a limo ride. Let's see, what else was on there? Oh, a smartphone with a camera and a sailboat. As soon as I saw the sailboat, I knew I better start thinking I better start thinking about the price because I had no idea how much a sailboat was. And you knew she was going to pass that to you. I knew it. She had already warned me that if a sailboat popped up, she was not going to bid on it. So this time, like never before, because it's such a small audience, now I could actually hear people. There was a contestant named Rocco. He was an older guy, and I just, I had a feeling Rocco would know. So I'm not even looking at my cousin, because I know he knows nothing about boats. And I'm pointing at Rocco, and I'm like, Rocco, how much is a boat? <laughs> and I think Rocco said something around 25000 they really prep you not to go over. So when you're going to the showcase, they say, you know, guys, it's really lame when people go over. So really try not to go over. So what they're saying it just makes for bad TV because everybody's sad about it? Right. If nobody wins, that's not fun, right? And that might be also why some people really underbid because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to ruin the show. Right. I guess if, if both people go over... Nobody wins anything. Nobody wins. Nobody yeah. wins. That's kind of a downer way to end the show. I can understand That's right. that. Yeah. So that, I think, gets into your mind and you don't want to go over. Rocco says 25000 so I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm trying to calculate everything. I believe I say 23600 just a little bit under. And the actual price was actually above Rocco's 28,800 something. So it was about a $5,000 difference. That was enough to win because the other contestant had gone way over and she knew it. They even recorded her saying, oh, you got it. I saw it when I watched the video, I saw her mouth the words to you. Oh yeah, you got it. When they said yeah. what her price, how far off she was. She knew she had. She messed up. She did. So I could not believe it. John runs up to the stage. We hug each other. We're jumping up and down. And I am just, I could not wait to tell my brothers that I had won a third time. And my students, right? Yeah. I mean, I they didn't know about this, but I was just so excited that I'd be able to share this with them. And what did you do with the boat this time? 
This time was a little bit different. The dealer contacted me and he said, hey, you know what? You're going to have to pay this, this, this. You're going to have to try and sell it. Why not just sell it to me? And I know he probably made a lot of money off of it, but he's right. I am not a salesperson. So he just paid me for the boat. Probably what I would have made trying to sell it on my own. Well, that's fair. And it saves you all the trouble. It saves me all the trouble. So yeah, I did try to negotiate with him a little bit because I think he, he, you know, he, he came out a little bit more on top and, you know, I know that I still have to pay taxes on everything. So it wouldn't just be all a profit. So that's what happened to the boat. I took the Santa Barbara trip. Oh, it came with a wine tasting tour. That was wonderful. You know, a trip like that, of course, the second one, you were off to London, but Santa Barbara is only about three hours or so from where you live. <laughs> right. But right. it was still a trip. It's time to, you know. It was still a trip. I don't leave often. I don't go on trips often. So that was a nice, perfect little trip for me. And boy, do they have really great food in Santa Barbara. So it was, it was very nice. Nothing like the London trip, of course, but I think it's what was right for me for this time. It probably cost you less money out of pocket than the London trip, though. Yes, for sure. Of course. Yes. It's just un- unbelievable. Three appearances, three showcase wins. It's just crazy. When you enter some kind of contest, like a raffle or a drawing or something like that, do you expect to win? I mean, do you normally win these things? I don't. I really don't. I, I always say I won the lottery when it comes to my family because I have the best, you know, I just have the most amazing humans around me, even at work. Uh, in that case, I feel like I'm a very lucky person. But as far as raffles and those things go, no, I, I'm not. And everyone tells me this is my luckiest year, right? Um, this year I won the prices right. I was teacher of the year at school. I see this as a plus, but I actually almost died this year. I had an anaphylactic shock hiking down a mountain, and the doctor said, yeah, you could have died. So this was a very lucky year for me. So I've been buying lottery tickets more than ever. I don't even get one number. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but the odds of winning Price is Right are a lot better than winning a lottery. Yeah, yeah. I guess lucky just in life in other ways. I think no more than most people, I guess. I don't know. Are there any plans for a fourth appearance on The Price is Right? Well, that would be really, really silly not to, right? <laughs> you have to expect me to try again. Of course. But when when are you able to go back? Are you, Is there, do they limit, didn't you say it was 10 years? 10 years. So yeah, we'll have to wait patiently for 10 years and then I'll have to try again. And hopefully they don't have a picture of me with an X over it. But I would love to go again. I just love everything about it. If I didn't have to have, you know, my teacher job, I'd love to work there. I love the energy. It's just, it's it's great. It's a great atmosphere. And I got to say, I, I did mention that the first time that I went, the guy was really grumpy and getting us through our, our forms. This time there's a a nice room, you sit in chairs, and there's a couple ladies that really go through the paperwork and explain everything so nicely. So that really changed from the first time to the third time. They actually, during the show, they offer you, there's a snack bar on, uh, you know, uh, backstage, they offer you water. So it's so different now than it was at the beginning. And just everyone was so nice and just a great place to be, I think. 10 years from now, we're going to be looking for you. Maybe you'll okay. come back on back on the podcast and tell about how it went. I'm going to come back on the podcast and tell you how I did on The Amazing Race, I think. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun, too. <laughs> you heard Fabiana talk about this one man who was really obsessed with The Price is Right, and more particularly, the actual prices of all the prizes. I mean, he tracked the data by watching and documenting each episode of the show kept it all on a spreadsheet, and he had most of the prices memorized. And he would go to the show and be in the audience, calling out the price to whoever was on stage trying to win something. There was a whole documentary done about this guy, and I watched it a while back, and it's really interesting. I'll link to that in the show notes. And if you have a question for Fabiana that I didn't ask, she's also in the podcast Facebook group. You can discuss this episode with her and the other listeners by joining at whatwasthatlike.com slash Facebook. 
Now, a couple of things before we get to this week's listener story. First is a call out to a listener, Courtney. Hey, Courtney, you sent in a story about your dad and also something that happened to your fiance. But the email address you included must have had a typo because it bounced back to me with an error. So please message me again so that we can connect. And the other thing I want to tell you is that every episode of What Was That Like has now been transcribed. This was a really big project that took most of this year to complete. I've had some other podcasters ask me, why are you spending all that money for transcribing? And that's a fair question. It was several thousand dollars because I hired a couple of actual humans to do the work in order to increase accuracy. And one of them is doing the transcriptions for all of the episodes going forward. I wanted to do this because some people just prefer to read rather than listen to audio. But more importantly, there are people who love these kind of stories, but they have hearing impairment, or they might be completely deaf. This is kind of personal with me because I myself have some hearing loss, and I don't want to exclude anyone from being able to enjoy the stories that we do here, so I decided it was worth it. And having said that, I have an offer for you. For anyone who wants to, you can go to the show notes page for each of the 118 episodes and you can see the full transcript of that episode there. But if you would like to have your own copy of every transcript of every one of those 118 episodes, including this one, all in one place, I've done that work for you. And you can get that on the website as an ebook for just $10. That's at whatwasthatlike.com slash transcripts. This is a digital download in PDF format, and it's almost 2,000 pages. Eventually, I'll be dividing it up and having a separate ebook of transcripts for each year. But until that happens, you can get all of them in one ebook for $10, and you'll also be helping to offset the cost of that project, which I really appreciate. So if you'd like to get a copy for yourself while this is available, go to whatwasthatlike.com transcripts. And here we are at this week's listener story. Every episode ends with a listener story. So if you have something that you can tell in about five minutes, record it on your phone and send it to me at scott at whatwasthatlike.com. And you just might hear your story in a future episode. The story you're about to hear is from a listener whose wedding anniversary is the same as mine, July 7. Stay safe, and I'll see you in two weeks. My name is Carolyn. I was listening to podcast number 110, Jen is a Professional Bridesmaid, which was really a fun listen. Goes to show that there's a niche for everyone. Then my attention was drawn to the listener story at the end of the podcast, which was about Scott's own wedding. You see, my husband and I share the same anniversary date, July 7th. It brought up some memories for sure. We were married by the Justice of the Peace in Maine, on July 7, 1977, which makes our anniversary date very easy to remember, 7777. The truth is we really didn't pick that date. We had arrived in Maine on a vacation in early July, and at that point we had been together for two years and we had been talking about getting married. So we thought, wouldn't it be great to get married in the quaint, beautiful town of Bar Harbor, Maine? So we went to the town hall to get our license and Figured we'd get married that day, which July 6th. However, Maine has this quirky law that a couple must wait a day after getting a license to actually get married. I guess it gives couples a chance to change their minds. So the next day was July 7th, and obviously we didn't change our minds. We did get married. But that wasn't the end of the story. On the way back home, we stopped by my new in-law's cottage in New Hampshire, and out of the blue... My husband's father blurted out, Isn't it about time you two got married? My poor husband, taken off guard, stammered, uh, Well, uh, yeah, that's a good idea. So right off the bat began the family's plans for a wedding. We didn't have the heart to tell them that we were already married. They wanted a full church wedding and all that goes with it. One problem was I didn't have a family, so I grew up in foster homes and There was no one to help me. I was on my own. I had to make decisions the best I could and be my own support system. And I knew nothing about the protocol of planning a wedding.
Also, we didn't have much money, and I had school loans to pay off. So finally, I spoke up and insisted on a simple wedding. I found a pretty dress off the rack, and the reception was in my husband's family's backyard. Fortunately, the wedding went well, and his family was happy, and we were happy, and it cost us only $2,500. So that wedding date is September 3rd, 1977, two months from our first marriage date. I can't believe that it actually took us only two months to plan this wedding. Anyway, we have two marriage certificates and two dates. Later, we heard through the grapevine that there were some who thought our marriage would never last, probably because I'm 13 years older than my husband. But they were wrong, of course, and here it is 45 years later, and our marriage is still alive and well and going strong. We are truly suited for each other, and what we do know for sure is that we have each other and a soft place to land when things get tough. It's been a wild 45-year adventure, and I say good luck to all those who are planning a wedding. I know for sure that plans don't always go as plans, so be flexible and accept a change of plans and go with the flow. Uh...